1: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
2: Mobile hunters, the king of comfort has arrived. Go to TetheredNation.com and check out the new Lockdown Saddle. Over the past two years, Tethered has tested and refined a new approach to their saddle lineup. The Lockdown Saddle takes the best-in-class features from the Phantom, like the Utila Bridge, Comfort Channels, and included an expandable saddle body with their Lockdown Link construction to take saddle hunting to the next level of comfort. As if this wasn't enough, they developed Lockdown Haulers, which has a slightly rigid internal frame structure, so you can easily unzip, zip, and access haulers with one hand. And if you're a guy like me with no junk in your trunk and have issues with your saddle staying put while you're walking in to hunt, the Lockdown Modular Yoke solves this problem. Whether you're new to saddle hunting or an old tree-climbing veteran, go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting gear. Welcome to the Truth From Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 361. Today, we are talking about filling my tag in mid-October and putting a buck in a boat. So stay tuned. Alright, alright, alright. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are feeling fine. I hope you are, uh, your rut hunts are full of chasing, but not too much chasing to where the deer just kind of run by you. That was the, uh I forget what it was, like. maybe three years ago. I was in, I think it was three years ago. I was in Missouri. And, uh, man, it was like, I saw, I, I was in, I was seeing bucks, like, pretty much, not every day, but... um you know, for not having scouted in any of the places we went to, so I've seen you know, you know, a lot of bucks for that. Um, for the fact that I hadn't scouted and didn't know anything about any of the places I was going, but every buck that I had seen on that trip, with the exception of one, was like chasing a doe and running all it could run. And so, <laughs> even though I was seeing deer, it wasn't like I was seeing deer that I was going to be able to kill or shoot or, or anything like that. So, hopefully, you're seeing deer, hopefully, you're seeing some action, and hopefully, it's the type of action that you can actually um, get a chance at while you are listening to this, I will be, um, knee deep in my, in my Kansas trip. Um, and hopefully I'm a fingers crossed, you know, I'm launching this or getting this ready before I, before I head out of town. So fingers crossed it by this point we are, uh, we are doing well. So, but with that, we're going to go ahead and just jump into today's show today. We're doing something a little bit different. I have my buddy Aaron Hepler on, um, we catch up a little bit, talk about his season and stuff like that. Uh, he's got a couple good deer that he's, uh, been kind of chasing around, if you will, um, as we kind of talked, you know, he's just kind of getting ready to get into, into, into the full swing of things, if you will. Um, but what, what we ended up doing was, was kind of flipped roles, you know, um, Aaron kind of co-hosted the show, um, or hosted the show even for, uh, for that matter. Um, and asked me a bunch of questions about, you know, filling my tag, um, a couple of weeks ago, which happened in on the 16th of October, uh, it was a morning hunt. And uh, so he goes through and just, you know, basically does what I do to people on every week on this, on this show, which is ask people about how they managed to fill, you know, whatever tag it was that they had, uh, they had filled. So um, always a good time hanging out with my buddy, Aaron, um, and uh, had some people asking me about the, you know, how the hunt went down and stuff like that. So I wanted to make sure I put out an episode to kind of give everyone the, uh, the deets. So with that, I hope everyone's having good luck. And then uh, hopefully we have some cool stories when I get back from, um, from kansas but as always thank you all for listening nice all right folks we are back with another episode of the truth in the stand deer hunting podcast and today we're gonna speaking of we're gonna do things a little different i got a lipper in today right here <laughs> you know not really i'm coming off the flu so i'm gonna try not to chomp my uh what is this thing called a lozenger
3: cough drop yeah we'll call it that yeah
2: um I'm chewing one of these. I'm gonna try not to clank it on my teeth and chew on it because I do like to chew these up uh, and annoy the crap out of you guys with it. I'm gonna to try to keep it clean, but otherwise I will have a coughing fit. But if you're watching the video, uh, you will recognize the sexy beast on the other side of me here, Mr. Aaron Hepler. What's going on, brother?
3: What's up, dude? It's good to good to be back on. I know, man. It's been it's a bit,
2: bit. Yeah, it has been a little while. But I was saying, getting ready to say, we're gonna do things a little bit different today because we're gonna do a little. We're gonna do a little catch up like we need to do because we haven't I mean we talk often but we haven't been on the show in a while um, and then we're going to transition things over and Aaron's actually going to interview me which you know is it's different right. from, I'm going to ride I'm going to ride co-pilot on this one and talk about uh, my hunt the buck I killed and and so on and so forth which I hate talk talking about myself on my own show. It's a weird thing.
3: I don't mind going on other people's shows and doing it, you know, but. but it's not today. Today, there's a guest host. So there's this a, is not there's your a, show today.
2: That's right. There's a guest host. But before we go over to guest host duties, what's going on, man? How you been? How's your, uh, how's your season shaking out?
3: Good, man. It's, um, you know, I've gotten out a couple times. Yesterday was actually a good day. One of my, one of my buddies, um, I sent you some pictures. He yeah. killed a, killed a, killed a public buck, but that's his first buck in five years. So he was, he was pretty, he was pretty stoked. He was not about to yeah. be picky this year. It's probably it's probably a two year old based on body size. Not a right. Not a very big rack, but he um, he really didn't care, and I didn't either. It was a it was a good time.
2: Yeah, that's but awesome.
3: I actually, actually had some buck encounters yesterday, and they're cruising, man. It's it's that time of year, and yeah, this week is you know kind of I think probably put to not to a dead stop, but the the heat is gonna yeah, it's going to be a big factor i think but next week looks good so
2: yeah the weather looks like it's getting right um going into next week uh well early part of this week was really good too if you had if you were on them you know and which you you had some good encounters
0: because the temps were
2: were right the beginning of the of the week you know i have a hard time saying that now because just i was joking with uh i was texting with jared scheffler and he and i were joking Mm -hmm. because he he hates cold fronts like hates them you know yeah and so uh, I was joking with him. I was like, Hey man, you know, I was just, was like, I'm getting ready to leave for Kansas, you know, looking for that first cold front when I get out there, just, you know, like kind of, you know, yeah. digging the, not the knife, but you know, like poking at him a little bit. He's like, yeah, he's like the only front you should be looking for is the warm one on the back end of that thing, <laughs> you know, like, and, uh, but I, it made me kind of think about it. Cause I was like, you know, I do notice that when I go to, when I go to Kansas, <clears throat> that on the more mild weather days, I typically do see more deer, like, not like, necessarily hot days necessarily like but he's hunted it way off way more than i have obviously
3: yeah
2: um you know and so i i've never talked to him about like if it's like the hotter the better because there there probably is like a point where it's just like it's too much you know what i mean um because of course they, they they don't have squat for shade out there either so it's not like they could just like dip off into the timber and like get out of the heat um right but i but i do think that like out there for whatever reason like i do see more deer on more mild days but i think I think also it's, it might be a little perception too, because like you're using so much more visual. So you're like, you typically can see a lot of deer move. Right. And so on those like quarter days, maybe they aren't moving quite as far or whatever. Um, you know, wearing the timber, you know, it's like, you could be 30 yards from them depending on how thick it is. And you're just out of the game and you don't see them anyway, you know, and if it makes that deer get up and move an extra fifty yards that day, a half hour earlier or whatever, then it's like all of a sudden it seems like a really good day. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. I was th- I was thinking about I, that. I don't if, disagree if it has with any, that. I was just thinking like if it has any more impact, like regionally, like for um for for like if you're in timber, you know, East versus you know Midwest or like plain states. I was I was just thinking mm-hmm. about that. There might be a difference in that. But what were you gonna say? I'm sorry, I cut you off.
3: Well, I I, I don't disagree. Like we actually. I haven't really had anything much for, for cameras, but honestly, I put out less cameras this year, um, kind of on purpose, just because I know the area I wanted to put cameras out the most. And then I kind of lost time to go, um, put out cameras in areas that I wanted, uh, wanted to get to. But, um, uh, the area that I killed last year, actually, we had that first cold front, like, uh, the 7th, 8th of October, I think it was over mm-hmm. a weekend and there yeah. was like a lot of rain. It was, got real cold. And then we actually had a lot of daylight pictures the day after that all went through. So, mm-hmm. I, and it, it wasn't a warm day, but it was warmer than the last two. I wouldn't disagree. I think it's, I think it's probably, you know, the way fronts work is that it's good on the front end of a front and the back end of a front. And mm-hmm. I don't really think if it matters one way or the other, if it's, um, if it's mm-hmm. colder, if it's warm, I think that uh, the the change is really the is really yeah. the determining factor on deer movement.
2: Yeah, and I think it's also again this is just my experience out there and, and maybe even here if I think about it real hard, but if you get like a way drastic like to the extreme change, right? People people like that. But for me what I've seen at least like in in Kansas cuz I've hunted some like most like I said most of the deer that I've seen on like were on like milder weather days where it's like it it might have been slightly lower than seasonal norm norm or slightly higher than seasonal norm right so it's like anywhere from like 55 to like 65 for like the high or whatever you know what i mean like that seems to be like for me at least out there the times i've been it's been like the sweet spot right but i've also Mm -hmm. hunted days where like the high with like the wind chill and stuff was like minus 12 i didn't see shit those days (laughs) <laughs> you know right. what I mean, and I was out the whole. You know, I was out all day, multiple days, and like consecutive days where we just had like minus degree temperatures. Same thing when I was in Iowa, we had a couple of days in a row of like it was probably half better part of a week where we were like in the below freezing, in the negative some days, and I didn't see squat right. those days. And it was like the more mild days I was seeing seeing deer. And I think the opposite's true. It's like if you get a big swing where it gets real hot, then it's probably not not great either.
3: Yeah, you know. Yeah, but, well, it's been pretty. I would say mild the last couple of days, and today was just about 80 here. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, is you know, tomorrow's going to be 80 as well. The whole next couple of days are going to be in the 80s, you know, yeah, low, high 70s, so, low 80s.
2: Yeah, so what's your uh, what's your plan here as we're getting into uh, prime time there, buddy? You know,
3: well, I found that. I, did I send you that? Pic- oh, I the just sent one? It just a little bit ago. Yeah, yeah, I found that deer, and he's. what is that 15 minutes maybe before daylight Mm -hmm. on that picture yeah and i had him two weeks ago at like 5 a.m and i had those are i only checked those two cameras because um my buddy that hunts with me actually ended up going past it once when he um when he was hunting and then when we were packing his deer out yesterday we went past it again and it's kind of like it's a cruising area, but he's definitely, like, that picture that I just sent, like, he's definitely heading towards a bedding area that I found a couple years ago. Um, So I might, I might just throw all my eggs in one basket and kind of go after him. But I think the good thing about that area is, is, like, I have plenty of other, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not super picky. I'm really not picky this year at all, but, you know, time-wise, um, But there are quite a few deer that are like, you know, anywhere from 100 to 120 inches there. So and I think not only based on the on the direction he's going to bed, but he's kind of using that to cruise back to his bed and a lot of other bucks do, too. So I think it would be wouldn't wouldn't be a bad plan because my my primary area has a lot more pressure this year Hmm. than it has um, in the past. And I don't I think it's kind of drawn some attention because they're doing a lot of new. They're doing a lot of new cutting. I think really throughout the state, they're doing more cutting, more burning, and mm-hmm. people are really learning. You know, learning like, oh, cuts aren't. You know, I think back in not very long ago, cuts were like, oh, they ruined my hunting spot. They cut this. They cut the woods down, and it's like right. no, they're like, oh, that's that's good. Right. So, um, <laughs> so I think I think uh, just based on that, it just brought more people, and and mm-hmm. you know, I've I've run into a couple people. And some easy to hunt spots, but they're still not really. They're not hunting it the way I would hunt it, so it, it's mm-hmm. still possible. I think this just the uh, the uh, activity has been lower as far as daylight stuff goes in that area. So,
2: right, right, yeah, I know. Uh, I know even early in the season, like you were, you know, noticing that there were people there. So it wasn't like it all of a sudden just picked up. You know, as we got into late November, like there were some folks that were kind of. Yeah in and around some of the spots you'd, you'd spent some time in. And that's just kind of the way it goes, right, man. It's like when you find a good spot, you know, or a good area, you know, it's just a matter of time until someone runs across it, you know, Um, you know. Yeah. I
3: actually uh, told my buddy, I told my buddy last year, I was like, dude, we got like three years to hunt this place and then we're not going to be by ourselves out. Like it's some, mm -hmm. they're going to find it. And I, I actually, I think I podcasted with Josh Raley like like two or three days after the first day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, I I walked in, I got I got in early. I think it was like, you know, one o'clock by the time I got back to where I wanted to hunt. And I was like taking my time getting into this setup so I wouldn't, because I know there's a buck that's bedded not far from where I was going to hunt. And I was like, I don't want to bump him out. And um I start like, I started climbing the tree. Like I got in real good and I heard people talking, but there's a recreational trail, not very, or like a service road, not very far away. And I was kind of like, I heard people talking and I thought it was somebody on the service road. Mm -hmm. And um, I started climbing my tree and some guy was like, Hey, yo, I'm like, are you kidding me right now? And I was up two sticks already. (laughs) Like all my stuff's unpacked. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, all right whatever so i pack my stuff up and i'm like i had a backup plan because i always do when you go out there and i like i could have gone back the way i came but if i went back the way i came i would have blown out the whole it would just it would mess things up so i kind of like walked back to the the service road and i'm like the guy was like hey there's somebody else down that trail i'm like okay thanks like just (laughs) i was mildly rude (laughs) Right. So <laughs> I <was> a little <laughs> irritated that he let me get halfway up the tree. <laughs> Before he said anything. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like Like I heard you talking, but I couldn't see you because they were it was just they were just they actually they were set up good. There were two guys in the tree, but they had like uh there was leaf, you know, leaf cover right, so I just couldn't mm-hmm. see him. And um I don't know if they could see me, but if they could, and if this is you, I'm sorry for being rude next time. Freaking tell me what before
2: right. <laughs> don't let me get all set up and be like, Hey buddy, I'm over here. <laughs> I and, watched uh, you set
3: email up. Clint. Yeah. Email. Yeah. Clint. <laughs> don't, don't email me.
2: <laughs> yeah. Email me or, you know, be that guy that leaves a shitty comment on the, on YouTube or something, you know, <laughs> so I got a lot of those. <laughs> you just join the club. <laughs> um, that's awesome, man. Well, dude i have no I hope doubt you killed
3: something guys i hope i, I hope you killed something
2: right yeah yeah <laughs> the uh um well i mean i think you're gonna have a good week this this coming week man because i think things are looking yeah looking to looking to get right um as far as like you know the weather looks promising at least you know and so that should be yeah the only that day
3: that i can't i'm not gonna go tomorrow but the only day i can't go is next thursday so right I'll Be hunting all yeah week and thursday, you have so. that
2: that middle uh, like being able to hunt during the week which is just like you know, there aren't yeah. many game changers in the hunting world, like products, right? I hate that word, game changer. But yeah. the true game changer is being able to hunt during the week. That's the that's the yeah.
3: ticket. You know, yeah, that's, it is funny, and it's fun. I, yeah. it's, it's nice when you go and there's nobody in the parking lot, you know. Yeah, exactly.
2: But with that, I think we're going to go ahead and transition, man, and, and we're going to go ahead and, and hand this beast over to uh to make this the aaron hepler show and uh he is going to be the host and i'm going to now relinquish my reins and be the co-host and be on the be on the easy side of this thing for a change
3: (laughs) on the easy side of the thing so we we should redo the intro too right should we should we redo the intro if you want to do your own intro
2: man go ahead just hit
3: hit it up all right all right so let's uh we got to think about this though <laughs> hmm. Today we're doing something different on the show, guys. The man with two black eyes and so many <laughs> stories to tell about it. The MC of MCs, the kayak and killer, the Kayakin Mr. Clint killer. Campbell. <laughs> the kayaking killer
2: we had one more k to that thing we're in trouble dude you know what i'm saying like, <laughs> we got to take her easy here <laughs> we're on a family friendly network over here you know <laughs> awesome man. hey i appreciate oh, man. you having me on the show um i've been a long time listener um
3: <laughs> i i appreciate you coming on man you know yeah Get yeah. a lot of, get a lot of comments. Like, could you please have Clint on? I, I really bet we do. <laughs> <I> <laughs> those, those shitty YouTube comments. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so what do you got going on, man? Like you, uh, you had a good, a good, you, I mean, you got out, you got, you got out a lot early part of the season. Well, I would yeah. say for you.
2: Well for me yeah just based on what I had going on like I couldn't get out in during the September time frame that I usually like to get out but honestly I didn't really have any I didn't have any players that time of year usually that's kind of like a yeah I do more scouting during that time to see if I can pick something up you know real quick that I can make a play on and I don't dive into any of the areas that I feel real good about like historically or even yeah. like from postseason scouting there was one spot that I really wanted to get to because I had the right crop rotation this year for that spot. And it's not,
0: mm-hmm. and I
2: never have a spot that has any crops, you know? And so this, this place was like kind of close to like a piece of public that I could hunt. Um, yeah. And so I wanted to try to make a play at that. Uh, I had glassed it a bunch and just, I saw one doe in it one, one evening. Um, but it just kind of felt like it could be good. Um I, I, I planned to hang a camera in there and I just never got around to it. And then, you know, things happened where I just had some personal stuff I had to to do between, you know, family stuff and just, like, things that I wanted to do before hunting season got started. So I really just never got to get out in September. So I didn't really kick off my season until, like, the state opener, really. Um, and I had made the plan uh, in the offseason. I mean, you and I talked about it where yeah. – um, where I really wanted to make it to the North piece as often as I could this year. Cause you know, it was just like, I wanted to really try to put in some hunts on that this year. And so the first two weekends, you know, and it rained like every weekend too. So like, that was kind of like a, another, you know, another pisser. Um, and, uh, I was able to get out Quite to the literally. North piece. Yeah, literally. Um, I was able to get out there twice. Um, and uh the first hunt was like i just did a lot of scouting and camera checking that day and there was a really good deer that i thought maybe i had a a sense of what he might do um found some you know some fresh sign and stuff like that and uh like an idiot like i walked away from the fresh sign and went and set up in a spot that i really wanted to set up in because the wind was right for it and i never hunted this particular area before and so i hunted that didn't see anything the following weekend that uh that storm kind of rolled through and uh and it rained all weekend, but like the rain was going to end around one o'clock. It was supposed to end around noon, but it ended up like running longer. And so I sat in my truck, like at the area that I park and waited for the rain to kind of almost stop to where I had, I was watching the radar and had about a half hour and I jumped out and got into a tree and saw a couple of deer that night, uh, on the North piece. And then coming out, I saw a real good buck, uh, in this, like this one cut that's in this area. And it was windy enough that like had I seen him quick enough quickly enough, uh, I just screwed it up because I knew I was probably going to see see deer in the in in this area on the way out, and I mm-hmm. just didn't pay attention. I was I was walking up along it, and my plan was try to. I literally said to myself as I was walking out, I was like, I need to creep along this edge. I was like, because if I see a deer that's close enough to the edge, it's like I might be able to make a stalk on it because it's just windy enough, you know. And I was like,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then. As I'm walking up to it, I'm daydreaming, thinking about like the next weekend, like the next hunt, how where I might hunt or like what I might do or whatever. And um, and I'm also thinking to myself, like, what are the chances there gonna be a deer close enough for me to stalk anyway? Like like right. it's like a pipe dream. And and so I walk up and I get to this cut and there's like some tall like grass. And I just and I just happen to look to my right and there's a deer standing there like a buck at 30 yards, you know and i'm like you gotta be kidding me so i hopped down real quick and and i clipped on and had an arrow and and in hindsight i was talking to greg litzinger about this in hindsight when i when i i should have just stood and drew because i knew he was close enough that i could just use my single pin put it on him and let it right right and uh but i tried to like i got greedy and i wanted to get one more look to see exactly where he was at and so i kind of tried to peek through the grass a little bit and he saw me and that was and that was it and took off.
3: Yeah, they don't. They don't give you a whole lot of opportunities like that in a situation like that.
2: No, no. And so, you know, but uh, but it was cool because that was really the first like. Uh, well, I saw like a shooter last year, but it was like you know it was. I presume it was the Stack King last year that uh, oh, I mentioned the name. I have to beep that out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> beep. <laughs> Dear beep. Does anybody um, else call him Stack King? I don't. I don't know. Maybe not. No. Nah, oh, the yeah. big, the big, the big ten. Double bleep. Double bleep. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Double bleep at this mark. I'm going to have to mark it on the thing. So when I edit, it, <laughs> then I know where the beeps are. Leap, um, the, uh But, yeah, I, I thought I saw that dude can, last year. We can
3: refer to him on this podcast as the Mark Buck. How's that? But, or We'll just call him
2: the king. You know what I mean? We'll just call him the king. The king. Um, That's good. I thought I saw him, and then uh, I'm pretty sure it was him because that was – the deer I thought was making that sign. And so, I mean, technically, I guess he was the first shooter buck that i had seen there, but like, I didn't get a good, real good look. It was more of like, think it's him. I'd say I was like 70% sure it was him, but this was the first like shooter buck that I saw, like with like shooting light, that was like a good, a good buck. So it felt like I, it, like, it felt like I was making the progression, right? The first two years was like scouting some like hunts where I saw like some scrubby bucks and you know, a spike and some does and stuff like that. And yeah. this was the third year. And it's like, I finally saw, I was in an area where I was finding like buck sign and finally saw like a shooter, you know, and, and yeah. shit. Well,
3: yeah. and I think, I think it's cool. Cause we've put in, well, especially you, but all we put in a lot of miles up there, mm-hmm. just, you know, doing a lot of scouting or whatever. And I think it's kind of cool. Cause you've been saying like all summer, like this year I'm going out there every weekend and you actually got like this year, you actually did it. Like you got mm-hmm. up there early like way earlier than you've hunted it, really in the past. Yeah, and um, and you did. You actually had some some pretty good hunts early on out there. I would say.
2: Yeah, and it's not a it's not a place that hunts easy early either. You know, no. and so I was going up just expecting to take losses until you know around last week of October. You know, before I was leaving for Kansas. That was really my plan yeah, for the season. Really, I was
3: like, go ahead. Uh, it really sets up better for like rut, like November kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, and so I was pretty much planning to take L's for the most part and just trying to learn some stuff to set myself up to take off a couple days the last week of October um, in the middle of the week that way I could hunt the weekend and then maybe like Monday, you know, hunt, try to maybe take a Friday so I could hunt Friday or half day so I could hunt like an evening Friday, all day Saturday, scout Sunday, then hunt Monday, Tuesday, and then, you know, take Monday, Tuesday off. And that was kind of what my plan was going in for the season because – in which I was going to give up all the hunting basically around me locally, which was fine, but I was going to hunt like the one spot that I really, really liked that I have had great encounters the past two years. And for three years, I have had like bucks with opportunities in this, in this spot. And I've just wanted to kill a deer in this spot really bad. Um, And I knew I was going to take off a day between the 16th and 18th, whatever day I got the right wind and the right weather, I was going to take a day off during the middle of the week to hunt that spot. Um, and otherwise I was going to be in the North piece the whole time. That was kind of the plan for the, for the year.
3: Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's kind of cool. Cause you actually like last year, uh, this same area you killed, killed a doe in last year, right?
2: Yeah. Yep.
3: Yeah. So last year you, you was really the first time that you've had, um, got to use your kayak and, um, do some, do some arrow flinging and slaying. Um, yeah. But I think it was pretty cool because you've really—that's another thing that you've really, you've really worked on—is like you always Well, you're somebody who always pays so much detail and attention to your access and that kind of thing. So I think that was, you know, it was cool last year to see you um, really put the pieces together. But in this piece that you're talking about, you actually had—we've talked about you getting beat a lot by bucks mm-hmm. in there, whether it be by yeah. um, by wind or like you know the maybe the brush just didn't give you enough opportunity and they just kind of moseyed off after some time. Yeah. Um, but I think that's one, I think the access is, is, um, is something you pay so much attention to. So did you do anything different for access this year?
2: No, like, cause the access into this spot is like, <clears throat> I'm, I'm not messing, I'm not messing much up if anything um yeah. just from hunting it enough times like i have seen how the deer kind of the, the hardest part of the hardest thing about this particular area is that the deer kind of come from almost any direction um yeah. and so you got to give something up um but the way i come in is the least likely area that deer are going to spend any any time right like mm-hmm. it's just like when you see like where the the trails are and stuff when you scout it there's one area they're going to come out that i'm going to have to cross and, and that's it. But when I come in, I can kind of veer off to my west a little bit because nothing yeah. ever comes from the west behind me. The only thing that ever comes from behind me or that I would have to cross a trail would come from uh, would come from my east, essentially. right? right. And so <clears throat> as long as I kind of loop out to my west just a little bit, and when I say loop out, I'm talking like 30 yards. I'm not talking like I'm going like an extra ridge or something like that. Mm-hmm. It's just enough to where if anything comes out from my east and wants to come straight across behind me, that they're not catching my boot track, like before I get an opportunity to potentially get a shot. Right. And right. T- unless they're so close to my tree that I'm, that I'm going to get into that, that they're crossing it within like 10 yards or something like that. You know what I mean? Because then sure. it's like, I'm making my way into my tree. And so then it's, you know, it, there's not much I can do at that point. Um, right. so the access is pretty well bulletproof from that standpoint. Um, as long as I play the wind right in there, it's like, I've never been winded in there by anything that came out that wasn't, that wasn't behind me that didn't get, I think I've only been winded in, in there one time and that and it was a doe and she was literally five yards like directly below me. And I think it was an overcast day because usually the way this place kind of sets up is like it's kind of open. <clears throat> it's a swampy area, right? And so in this area, it stays kind of damp, not wet, but just damp enough to where it's like all swamp grass and a lot of the trees in there are are dead and have fallen fallen down. And so it's like real low kind of shrubs, like just scrubby swamp brush. Right. And then just like Mm -hmm. swamp grass everywhere. That's like up to your, up to your like hips maybe right in the summer. This time of year it starts to fall down it might be like mid thigh high. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just like almost like it reminds you like when you walk into, I remember the first time I walked into it in in the off season when I, the first time I found it, it reminded me of like pictures of being in Texas almost It was just, like, all this, like, mesquite-looking brush, just, like, shitty brush patches everywhere. And at that time, like, the grass is, like, completely dead and on the ground, you know, and so it seems really, really open. But when you get in there in the summer or early fall, there's plenty of cover around, especially when you've got leaves on. You know, in, like, late November, things drop. It gets pretty open in there. But the reason why it's somewhat bulletproof is, like, especially if you get, like, a bluebird day, like, where that tree is at, when I have leaves... I have some cover around me to get drawn whenever I don't like you're kind of naked in this tree inside there's another another tree I would actually hunt whenever like the leaves come off. Um it's mm-hmm. like 25 yards away. But when you have a nice bluebird day that's sunny, that swamp grass and everything just kind of heats up and once you get enough sunlight man, your thermals are shooting kind of straight up in the air. And so I've had like okay. the wrong wind for certain deer coming in to where it's like if they come in midday, I was beating them alone on my thermals like not the prevailing wind because they were using the prevailing wind coming in and it was in their face but because of the time of day they came in i was beating them with the thermal and so that's kind of why i love that spot because like i hunted on the right wind and i'm bulletproof and then and then if the wind switches partway through the day and it starts to swirl or whatever as long as it's sunny out then i'm pretty much bulletproof until the sun starts dropping again
3: cool i well i have i have like two at least two things on on that because i think i think that's something a lot of people are just starting to learn or not learning i i think the one thing that we always forget is like every we'll talk everybody got really into kind of like the public land craze kind of thing mm-hmm. and are learning about thermals because dan infault really made the not that they weren't like a thing before that like plenty of people talked about it but mm-hmm. In the last like, it became we'll more common knowledge, years. if you will. Right, it became yeah. more common knowledge. Like, oh, thermals. Like, there's two. There's maybe two wind directions depending mm-hmm. on what the if the, if there's not a steady wind. And I I feel like we always forget to explain the basics of thermals because people are like, oh, it's almost like a series. Like when you read articles now, they'll say they'll just mention like, oh, use the thermals, but they don't explain mm. what thermals are, which right. is, you know, just the air current moving up or down. So if it's hot, they're going up. If, you know, if it's cold, yeah, they're cold, Yeah, relationship going down. to the, can, to the that, temperature. That's like, yeah. right, very, very yeah. basic. But the the key thing is, is knowing where you can trick them. Mm-hmm. So the the swamp grass that you're talking about, anything that's got water, especially later in the season, usually the water ends up retaining some heat or Mm -hmm. it gets really, really cold. Like if you got ice on water or something like that. So you're going to either have a pushing or pulling away from the water. Mm -hmm. So water will directly affect your thermals if you're hunting close enough to it. And I think, I think that is feeling bulletproof in a tree stand. Like I'm sure you have plenty of confidence when you're sitting in a stand when your thermals are going straight up like that.
2: Yeah. I, I typically don't, I typically don't have any worries in this particular spot. Like when I go in and you know, cause I, I make sure to hunt it just on the, the, I need anything that has a, I can hunt anything that's a North and I can hunt anything that's a West, you know, I can't yeah. hunt any, I can't hunt any other dir, uh, wind directions, but anything that's North, Northeast, Northwest or a direct West wind, I can hunt the West wind becomes a little trickier um, that I definitely have to rely on the thermal um, either it going up or the water, you know, close behind me that the, Especially like in the morning, whenever it's you get like a nice cold morning, but it, maybe it's like early October, like it was for this year, where I had a nice cold morning, but the water temp hadn't changed because it hadn't been consecutively cold enough to really drop you know, like the water temperature of the water that I was using, and so like yeah. you, I'll get a little kind of like almost like fake north wind, like if it's a cold morning, just for that that thermal to kind of start to pull back toward the water that I just came off of, you know what I mean? So. Right. It's like, you just have to kind of, and it can be as complicated or as easy as you want to make it, but like just from being in that spot so many different times and hunting it on different winds until I kind of started figuring it out, like I know now what I can get away with in that spot.
3: So we're going to flip to, flip to the, to the North piece and we're Mm going to pretend that I don't know anything about it. Okay. Is there, is there areas there that you're going to use? uh, Really? There's not a lot of, there's not. There's not, I mean, they're swamps, but they're different there, right? Like, they're not mm-hmm. like, they're ice, iso- we'll just say they're isolated swamps. It's not yeah. like, it's not like a, a swamp with a body of water attached to it or something. Right. Yeah. So they're a little different, but are you using, uh, are you using water there to manipulate your thermals or kind of trick them?
2: Mm, not on any of the setups that I've had to this point. I would say like the hunting there at this point has been more like true kind of like mountain hunting just in general, like using the thermal in relationship to how things might change based on the elevation change that you might be experiencing. Right. That would be kind of how I think about it. Now I always think about in those scenarios, I I think about like, um, less water, right. And more like open areas, right. Like, cause Mm -hmm. you know, I can think of like two different spots in my mind now, one that's on this, on this mountain where it's like, you get like these little pockets of like where it opens up a little bit and those are great kind of little yep. setups. Um, cause a couple of different things kind of come together there and, and it does get wet. So it does get swampy and which is like, it just, that's why there's nothing there. And it might only be like a a 20 yard area that's kind of open or whatever that they might, that they're going to yeah. travel through. And you know, I would use that to my advantage, like just because like, I've got an open canopy above that to where like that spot on the mountain will actually get warm. And so it will give me right some help with my thermals, you know? Um, um, yeah, at least, you know, shoot them straight up in the air a little bit, you know, or, or loft it out over, you know, something if, the, if I'm going to try to cheat the wind a little bit, the other, the other area is kind of similar to that, but it's almost more like the swamp that I was hunting locally. And it's because like, it has some areas where you might set up. It's just, it's, it's way more open cause it holds m- more moisture and has killed like the grass and stuff like that. And so it just, so it plays out a lot more similarly, but I'm just not using the water to kind of add to like the thermal advantage, if you will. Okay, uh, about, that's not um, true. There, there is a stream that I have used actually last year. Um, I have you, I have used that, but that's 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 moving water, um, and that was only that was only one hunt.
3: Um, but yeah, I have used that in the past that, too. But so let's pretend I do know about it. Is that the stream? I think it is. Yeah, where yeah. I found that shed a couple years yeah. ago. I yeah, I think that would be. Based on what we found in there, like it might be, it might be, um, it might be wide enough that the wind wouldn't swirl in there. And even if it did, I think, I think that water is really cold. It would probably suck with that creek.
2: So where I set up initially, I was screwed because I got too far away. Um, Mm -hmm. and then where I set up a second time, I stayed closer to that, to that lip, like that you come out of that water over this over that little lip staying closer to that because you've got some hemlocks it's just it's cooler in general and then you've got the cooled mountain water behind you and then it def i was able to definitely play the thermal there but setting up right off that lip i was still also kind of out of the game of where i wanted to be based on like where all the where all the sign was at
3: you know so sure because we haven't really found a good crossing there yet
2: yeah and that's a tough spot to hunt like i've talked to some guys about that that try to hunt bottoms like that and it's just like unless you have the setup to where you can just be so close and on top of that lip to get that thermal draw. You know, like if you yeah. get anywhere too far up above it, it just swirls and you're screwed. Now I did hunt the ground on the ground in there one day and I did have a buck within uh, like 20 yards just like a young buck. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, so I was able to beat, I mean, I kept my wind clean for him, but, um, I think I just got lucky and it just didn't have a whole lot of wind that day just in general. Anyway,
1: yeah. So,
3: right. Right. Um, so what was, what was, uh, was anything different? You said the the, um, the food was a little bit different cause fields were different. You got a lot of acorns up, up with you mm. this year.
2: No. So the funny thing is, is like, I went in and checked like some cameras in this one area close to where I, where I, where I killed that buck and there were acorns in there last year and there weren't any, there weren't any this year. And, and truthfully, it's like, I didn't, I checked a couple spots over the summer and I just didn't see anything, um. There was one spot. I'm trying to even remember where it was at that I was scouting, and uh, I remember where it was at. And I found, you know, I found some acorns, but I ended up not even getting yeah. there to that to that area. And it's nowhere close to where I ended up hunting on the 16th, anyway. Um, but this was just one of those years where locally, where I just knew I wasn't going to spend, I just wasn't going to have the opportunity to spend a lot of time like in those places because I probably wasn't going to hunt them. But, but once maybe twice you know i was planning like that sure. week of the 16th to the 18th like i took two days off that week i took the 16th off and i took the 18th off because 18th was the day the exact day that i had encounters the previous two years in that same exact spot with two different bucks that i ended right. up getting beat by and so i took those right. two days off because they had the right wind for me to hunt those that were his, was historically aligned to the same winds that i had when i had seen those two those two bucks the two years prior
3: yeah. Yeah, you were, you really did have similar conditions to those. And I don't they those deer didn't win you, right? They just didn't give <laughs> you shot opportunities.
2: Yeah, the first one was uh <clears throat> uh he came in from the from the west. And that was really I think it was just the second year that I hunted that that area and mm-hmm. I had a trail, I had a trail camera in there and so a lot of the deer were actually coming from the north and the east. Um and so I had assumed that that was kind of like and I had scouted back in there, and it's like very – it's super thick. There's a lot of buck sign back in that area. I'm kind of like on the edge of yeah, it. Yeah. You know, and I kind of – I had assumed that that's like where they might be staging. You know, I don't think that they were bedding there because I think that that primary scrape is there because of doe bedding. Well, I know, I know it is. Um, and I right. had, had assumed that they were just kind of staging in that general area and spending time in there and then <laughs> moseying through to check that scrape and, and stuff like that. But I mm-hmm. learned the following year – um, that actually bucks are betting right off that scrape. Like they're bedded not far away because I watched one bed 40 oh, okay. yards from me. you know. But anyway, to finish the first year, I just had a buck sneak in on me. And by the time I realized he was there and that he was one of the ones I was interested in, I just didn't have any more cover between he and I for me to get drawn. Um, That's right. Yeah. And then last year I just had one come in and bed like 40 yards from me and I watched him for like two hours. He was hours bedded
3: there up. for like, yeah, I was going to say it was like two yeah. or three hours. I remember you being like, he's not leaving. <laughs> yeah. Go here. I
2: mean, in hindsight, I should have got down and tried to stalk him because I had plenty I had plenty of wind that day to do it. But yeah. I just didn't, uh, I, I thought for sure he would get up and, and just, and make his way toward me. He just never did. Um, but yeah, so like I had good encounters in that spot, you know, on almost identical conditions, you know, two years prior.
3: So for this, um, for, your, for your hunt of hunts this year, uh, so you you chose the day to go in because it was like historical, you took the days off because it was historical data that you kind of collected over time.
2: Historical data, and truth be told, I felt like the 18th would probably be better because um, I had debated not hunting the 16th but it was going to start yeah. to warm up just a little bit like as the week went on. And I was like, mm. right. I was like, you know, the, si-, and like, the thing is, is like the, the, yeah, I had encounters with those deer on the 18th two years in a row. Um, but I know just from watching trail camera data in that, in that spot, like it's basically the 15th through the 20th, you know, is like, there's going to be action, you know, um, yeah, in there. And cause I got a, f- uh, image, um, of a, and this is the benefit of running tram- trail cameras year round. Like uh, I had a a hypothesis that there was an early doe in there. That was my hypothesis Mm -hmm. because like the activity would just go bananas like the week of the 15th through the 20th. And, and so before, I guess it was last, not this past spring, but the spring prior, I got an early fawn drop on that camera and was able to backdate it basically to like, she had to be bred like the week of the 15th to the 20th, like for her to drop when she dropped. Um, And so that told me that, yeah. And like, if you know anything about doe families, they pass their, you know, their, their estrus state onto their doe fawns. And so, and if you know anything about doe families, they stay together unless something drastically changes. They typically don't change like their, their bedding areas. And so as long as that doe family stays in that area there, it's always going to be an estrus date that's going to land around that same time frame into perpetuity until like they don't use that area anymore. And so that's what right. I've been basing a lot of this off of and, and why I've been watching it. So when I was trying to think of the day, I was like, well, it's this week and the 18th of the day, but it's going to start to warm up just a little bit. Um, I was like in Friday or Monday morning, just had real nice cold, like cold temps where it like the felt like the first like nice little, like cold snap. And I was like, this could be the thing, you know? And I like October mornings, you know, like, that's one of the things I like. It's like one of my favorite times to hunt is October mornings. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And it was, uh, the weather wasn't great. I think the for the weekend, if I'm not mistaken, like I think it, yeah, I'm almost positive. I really think
3: that was one of the only days that we had that was nice. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure time.
2: it rained like all Saturday. Because I remember not, uh, I went up to the north piece, I think, and it, yeah, that was the Saturday that it rained like crazy, and um, right, and so we just came off of like really shit weather, you know, and it was gonna be nice and cold Monday morning. So no one was. So my thing was was like nobody was probably out friday or saturday because the weather was so bad and so i was like monday they're going to be acting like it's midweek because they're going to have been relieved from pressure since about thursday you know and so that was the rationale for going into monday where i was like they should be calm because no one has hunted them for the past two or three days or been in in that piece of public even probably for the past two or three days i was like so yep you know it feels like it's going to be pretty clean and it's going to be right after you know rain has stopped and you know, the temperatures are going to be good. And I was like, you know, that should be, it feels like a good day. And so that was really kind of the rationale for it.
3: Yeah. So I really want to just, I really just want to jump into the story. Right. You're kind of like, you know, you're like, you know, do the nonchalant thing. Remember what you sent. So we have a, we have four of us that have a group text and we get a text from Clint. It's just a picture of a deer and says, Tagged out. No, no picture of Clint. Nothing. Just a picture of a dead deer, and tagged out. That's all it said. So you can be a little less nonchalant about it. Like pretend yeah. like Steve <laughs> Vinnella is interviewing you right now, and be like a little.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Let's
3: well, hear the story, man. I, we, I haven't read. I mean, you told me little bits and details, and we talked on the phone a little bit, but I want to hear all the nitty gritty.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where that arrow getting released was really you know, in the making, like the past two to three years in that spot specifically, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Because like there wasn't a lot of like, and I mentioned this in my Instagram post, like the strategy really at the end of the day was it's a known community scrape that is active year round, that these dates within this like three to five day window have historically been been right, you know? And so if even if you took away all the other factors, I was going to be in there one of those three days. You know, and that was, in that, and that was the plan. So, you know, I took Monday off, um, because of all the stuff I just mentioned, I thought it'd be pretty clean and a nice little temp drop. Didn't think there'd be any people in there on a Monday, uh, or just in general, I never see people in this spot, but just like in the ancillary areas around it. Um, right you know, the other kind of added thing was, was like loading the kayak into the truck to get there and stuff like that was kind of a bitch. Cause I've been dealing with like a shoulder injury and stuff like that. So like that, that was actually my biggest oh, yeah. concern of the, my biggest concern of the whole trip was like, or the whole hunt was like getting the boat literally in and out of the truck, you know, basically kind of one armed. And then if I killed something like, you know, being by myself and there's no way to drag this thing out. Like it has to go out by boat. And so I got to get him loaded into the boat. I got to get him back to the truck and then everything back into the bed of the truck myself, you know? So that was like the biggest concern was like, I don't know if my shoulder can do it. Um, so I get there in the morning. Um, and I was, this, the particular tree that I, I'd almost like, so there was a different, there were two different trees I picked out when I went in, in this off season, just to kind of scope some stuff out. Cause I wanted to see where, how that buck beat me the last time where he was bedded. And so I picked two different trees yeah. out. And so that was kind of like the biggest thing, like walking in there, like the night before was thinking about like, what tree am I going to get into? Because I had a Northwest wind in order, in order to hunt the, the tree that I really thought I was going to get into a Northwest wind was going to be bad for me for anything coming from the West. Uh, I'm yeah. Um, no, it would, it'd be okay from, from the, from the West, but I was going to have my scent blown across like the primary trail that I thought that deer typically go to and toward like, and toward the scrape. But where I thought deer were mm-hmm. going to come from, where they have come from historically, I would get a shot opportunity before they would have gotten there. Right. And so I was kind of on the fence. Right. And I was like, when I got to out of the boat and I got kind of into the, um, into the area that I wanted to hunt, I was standing at the tree that I typically hunt and was, and was looking at the tree that I w- had planned to hunt. And I was like looking yeah. around and I just kind of looked up, you know, cause there's a tree that's like close to me. It's like a scrubby tree and it, and it loses its leaves pretty quickly. And I just happened to glance up and look and I'm like, Oh man, it's still holding its leaves. I'm like, okay, I'm hunting this tree then because I have all the cover I need to my left. And that's usually where I – that's how I've gotten sure. beat by that one buck was off to my left because that tree had lost its leaves.
3: It had no cover. Okay. Yeah.
2: And so it had some leaf cover still on it. So I was like, this is the – I was like, cool, I'm going to get into this tree then. And I was like, I'm probably going to regret it because I've gotten beat twice out of this tree. So I get in that tree, get all set up. It's uh, – you know, I hadn't had many hunts this year, and so it was a little bit of a – it was a little bit of a rodeo getting into the – getting yeah. into the tree as it typically is and there's this one branch like and i've hunted this tree enough it's like you figure you think i'd figured out like a a plan there's this one branch that always gives me trouble like because it's like i have to set my platform up close to it and so it's like i'm either like i can't uh, get over top of it because there's like a big knot and the tree splits and so i can't get my tether right that high and so i gotta kind of just be like right below it and if i get it too low then my feet get stuck on it underneath of it and it's just like right so I'm trying to wrestle with that, and I finally get it set up and you know, get my platform set up. I get into the tree, get all my stuff hung, and I'm sitting there you know, in the dark. I was set up by like a little after 6, daylight's at like 7. I text my wife, let her know I'm in the tree, and uh, I'm just sitting there thinking. you know, I'm thinking back to like the previous hunts and stuff like that. And while I'm sitting in this tree, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, you're going to be so pissed if a buck comes in and beds in that same spot as he did last year and you're not in that other tree. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna be so mad. Like you can't, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like talking myself out of being in the tree that I'm in. I'm like, you know, you should have hunted that tree. Like you, you came in this off season, you, you picked out two other trees that were probably the better options that would give you the opportunities over in that area. You know?
3: We've all been like, there.
2: Yeah, and so I'm kind of already kicking myself, like thinking like, ah, this probably isn't gonna end well for me. And so <clears throat> I'm sitting there and like, it's just like, you know, getting to gray light. And I start just hearing like some scuffling, like off to my right. And the only place I really don't want deer coming out is like behind me and to my right. is the only place I don't want deer coming from because that's the spot that I'm completely naked. That's like basically the spot that I give up. Like if they come out over there, it's going to be tough because I have to get turned around and take a, a weak side shot at best. The
1: 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com.
2: Or I, gotta, or I have to let them get completely behind me and I have to turn all the way around to take like a strong side type of shot, but directly behind me. But I got to get turned with no cover, Right. So, right. it's getting to be about gray light. Start hearing some scuffling. Squirrels are dropping, you know, walnuts and bullshit. I can hear it hitting the ground. And but I just like you can all you know, you know whenever you're like hearing squirrels and you hear something, it's like you're like ah, I don't think that's a squirrel. You know what I mean? Like it just sounds heavier, right. sounds bigger. And then so I yep. could hear this and like and it it just doesn't sound like a squirrel playing around. But I can't see anything yet because off to my right there's a couple like cedars, and then there's just like a wall of shit. Like it's just like. 10 feet yeah. high, nothing but vines, brush, and just like, you know, there's a few little like, like one or two little deer trails you can see that they kind of get in that they wiggle their way into into there. Um, and so right. I'm sitting there and I can kind of hear like the leaves rustling and now it's like it's like five after seven. So you can, you can see now, you know what I mean? Like it's still like, mm-hmm. you know, it's shooting light, you know, put it that put it that way. Um, but you still like, yeah. you know, you can't see super far yet. And I can see right. like the the face of a deer, so I'm like, oh cool, it's a deer, right? And can't tell what it is yet because its head's still kind of like in the brush. And then right. turns his head, and I can see like the right side, and I'm like, all right, cool. I was like, he's got well, he's got three on that side. I'm like, all right. And he turns his head the opposite way, and I'm like, okay, he's got three on that side. And I was like, I'm pretty sure he has brow tines on both sides. I was like oh. I was like, all right, cool. I was like, I think I think it's an eight point. And so I'm just kind of sitting there watching. At this point, I, in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm, not, I'm probably not going to shoot him, you know. Now, mind you, I had a cell camera in here this year. Batteries died. And so I have no clue what's in here. Like, I'm, and I kind of, right. it was, it was a nice, like, little bit of a relief this year to not have, like, a deer that I was, like, following locally, at least. You know what I mean? That I yeah. had no clue what, what I was going to run, run into. And so,
3: you know, it's kind of I've fun done, that way sometimes. Yeah. It is,
2: man. And I, and I talked a lot to Tony this year, Peterson, our buddy Tony Peterson, about, like, you know, like bringing the joy back into hunting and sometimes like the unknown is kind of how you do it and and just yeah. shooting, you know, letting arrows go like when you're excited and and just deer hunting, right. you know what I mean? And stuff like yeah. that. And I've been trying to really stay yeah. true to that because um, I can get myself worked up into like a place where I start to like, you know, not like what I'm doing as much as I should. And so yeah. I can see both sides and like I kind of kn- I know what he is now and I'm like, and at first I'm like, ah, I'm going to let him go. You know, and so I'm watching him, and uh and I'm pretty sure I'm I'm, I'm going to pass him, and then he comes out to this this tree that's just like he's coming out to my right and from behind me where I don't want him to come from, right? Mm-hmm. He comes out to this tree and like if I'm going to shoot, which I kind of made up my mind that I wasn't going to, like this is the opportunity because he's out now in the open enough. It's probably about a twenty-five yard. Actually, I think I ranged it at one point. It was like twenty-seven yards. And he starts making a scrape and he's raking a tree and he's got his antlers in the in oh. the leaves and he's shaking it and he's pawing yeah. the ground and he st- stops and he takes a piss and he's, like, pounding his foot and he's, like... I mean, he's getting fired up, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I'm getting fired up. And, like, as soon as he was doing all that stuff, I was like, yeah, I'm going to kill you now. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that's all there is to it. And I was like, buddy, you just sealed your fate. If I can get a shot, I'm going to shoot you. Because it was just, like, I got caught up in, like, the moment of it where it was just, like, it just like I was just enjoying myself. You know what I mean, where I was just like, dude, I uh-huh. love watching deer do that. I've never had a deer come out and do that where I actually got a shot opportunity. You know what I mean? Like to yeah. for the story to kind of like be like fulfilled if you will, right? And so but at this point though, he stops and he has his head out of the leaves and he's looking in my direction so I can't get turned to shoot, right? And so I'm like, mm-hmm. "All right, awesome." I'm like, "You're such a dumbass." It's like I, like when you decide like, yeah, you're going to shoot him. Like you've already missed your opportunity. So he starts walking behind me. And I'm watching him, watching him, watching him, side eyeing him until like I can't anymore. And he's behind mm-hmm. directly behind me now. And my wind's good. It's gonna be good until he gets like about to my like mm, probably like eight o'clock, if you will. Seven thirty, like seven thirty, okay. eight o'clock, right? And uh mm-hmm. and uh I can hear him walking behind me. Then all of a sudden I just hear him stop. Like he doesn't, he stops walking. Right. And every step was like in that swamp grass where it was like crunch, 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 crunch. And like, and all of a sudden it just stopped. And so, Mm -hmm. and based on like how I could hear it, it's like, he was like now directly behind me and I'm like, shit. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I know there's a bush right behind me with like a bunch of green briar all over it. That's at about 10 yards. And I'm like, if he's behind that, I might be able to get turned around. I was like, Mm -hmm. if he's not, I'm completely screwed i was like but i gotta at least try to turn my head real slow and see like try to get some peripheral vision on him and to see like exactly where he's at mm-hmm. to see you know or i'm gonna have to let him get past me and hope i still have a shot once he gets past me a little bit and that my wind doesn't screw me because i'm definitely mm-hmm. not getting any of the thermal effect of it shooting up yet because it's still you know not light enough out still yet still kind of dark yeah yeah um <clears throat> and uh so i first saw him at like 705 and i watched him for for a while and uh and so I get, I start turning to my my left kind of try to side eye him, and I finally get to a point to where I can see him. And I'm like, no shit, he's behind that bush, like, and his head's kind of behind it. And I'm like, he probably can't yeah. see me, right? And so I kind of, I get turned around, but now he's completely, he's behind the bush where I, I don't have a shot, right? And so, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out, like, and the reason why he stopped there is that that's the, that's my marker when I walk in. When remember I was telling you like I kind of work to the west to not walk across yep. any deer trails, and then I kind of come back to around. my tree. Yeah. And I kind of, and that bush is usually my marker where when I get to a certain spot and I can kind of make that bush out with my headlamp or whatever, then I know Mm -hmm. I need to kind of beeline it right over and I'm not crossing any other deer trails. And I know I'm like right behind my tree to hop in. Right. Yep. And so he stopped right behind that bush because that's where my boot track was. He was just like, boom. And he stopped checking it. out. He's just standing there. Yeah. He's licking the, I can see him licking the air and stuff like that. And I'm like, I thought for sure I was going to get busted. My wind was fine, but I thought he was just like, he wasn't sure what it was, you know? Right. And, um, and so I'm like, I just need him to take like a step and wouldn't, you know, it like, he didn't like take a step, like he was going to walk any further. He just kind of repositioned himself. And when he did, I could see just enough over that bush to where I could see his, his right front shoulder. And so now his head was out past the bush to where now he could see me if he wanted to, right? And I still haven't drawn yet because I didn't know which direction he was going to go or whatever. And so now I'm like, I need him to turn his head, right? And so for whatever reason, he turned his head away from me for like a split second. And as soon as he did, I drew. And then I put the pin on him. I didn't even range him. I knew he was within like 10 to 15 yards. Um, I shoot a single pin at 26 yards. Um, So if I hold center mass, I'm going to hit a little high when they're close which is what I want mm-hmm. because I have steep angle. So my exit hole should be yep. good. And so yep. I just basically, you know, put it roughly center mass behind his shoulder. Um, or, uh, what I thought was behind his shoulder, but way had his, his kind of legs position. It was actually on his shoulder. And I let it rip, heard the crack, heard the pop that you want to hear. And he wheeled and took off. Mm-hmm. And then um, it was all of about 15 seconds. And I heard just like a crash and I assumed he was down but you know, you always have that doubt right away where you're like, you know, cause I'm like, Oh man, did I hit him high? Did I hit him high? Man, I right. hit him high, you know?
3: And, I uh, I feel like that's everybody's anxiety after a shot is kind of like, Oh, was it good? Was it not good? Yeah. 100%. Especially in the low light conditions like that too.
2: Yeah. And so, and I had plenty of like, cause it was like seven fifteen now, you know, that, uh, yeah. when I actually, when I actually let it rip. So I okay. spent like ten, 10, minutes with him. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, I waited a little bit, like I didn't get out of the tree right away. Like I assumed I heard him crash, you know. But I was like, you know, if I if I wait an hour or you know forty five minutes or whatever it is, like he's he's not going to be any less dead when I find him, you know. Right. So sat there, composed myself for a minute, and then you know, it was one of those things where it's like the the shot was, you know, from my recollection was good enough. Not, when I say good enough, like. In my, um, like in my memory, it felt mm-hmm. right to where my day hunting was done. That I, either that deer was dead, where or I heard him crap where I thought I heard him crash, or it was going to be yep. a day spent trying to find him. You know what I mean? Right. Um. So w- with that, it's like I pulled all my stuff out of the tree. You know, slowly kind of wrapped up all my stuff, let my bow down. You know, put everything down, repelled out of the tree, gathered all my stuff at the bottom yep. of the tree, and just kind of like packed it all up and stuff like that. And I think by the time like, I shot to the time I did that was like 45 minutes to an hour. But the bitch was like, I found my arrow right away, had good blood on it, um, and, but this swamp grass is all red. And so I saw blood right. at like the impact site. And, and as then I saw a couple spots, like another spot. And then from there, it was like, it was hard as hell for me to find any blood. And so I spent probably like 25 right. minutes trying to find specks you know, in red grass, essentially. Yeah, And so then I started getting worried because I was like, man, I can't find like consistent blood. Like there isn't enough, like it's all red in here and I'm not seeing enough like to like legit blood trail. And so I basically went to the area that he, the tree he passed to get into the woods. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I was like, let me just step into the timber. And I heard him like fall, like just a little North of me. Um, I was like, and let me see if maybe I can just find it. Maybe I can just see him. And so I stepped in there real quick and uh, and I basically looked to my left and I just saw a white belly laying there, like at 20 yards nice. further up, you know what I mean? And so that was a huge relief where I was like, shit. I was like, yes, like, all right, I'm not going to spend the day looking for him. Um, yeah. And then I walked up and grabbed him. He piled up like 40 yards from where I was at, um, you know, so he nice. wasn't going to actually make it to that scrape that I was hunting around, but that's, you know, why he was in that area. He was just browsing, munching food, you know, making his own scrape, yeah. checking on shit. Yeah. Um you know and I was I was stoked because it's been a, a several year project to try to kill a, a buck and get him in that you know in that area and put him in a boat. And that's all I've wanted to do yeah. since I found that spot.
3: I think it's so cool man and I think you know I listened to that the uh the podcast that you did with um Cody DeQuisto, mm-hmm. Was that dropped last that dropped last a couple weeks ago? Yeah, like two or three weeks um, ago. Yeah. But I think the I think the thing that you mentioned in that whole story, the coolest thing for me, there's a lot of cool elements to it. But I think the cool thing is, is like you just you just had a good time, like loved it. I agree. Yeah. Like the camera thing is awesome. Like it's cool to kill a buck that's on camera, and and I think they're great tools, especially if you're just learning an area. But mm-hmm. I think there's something to be there's really something to be said, and I think more people are noticing it. Is like sometimes it is just better to go into a spot that you know well and just have a good time like just hunting and and reading the sign and knowing the wind and the access element to i mean your access you've been telling me about that spot now since we've been friends and yeah i think that's one of the coolest coolest things about this hunt is is just the fun that you got to have doing it and the and and the execution of it is yeah yeah it was
2: it was nice to get the the monkey off my back because that place has been beating me up the past couple mm-hmm. years, you know? Um, and mm-hmm. that's all I've wanted to do since I found that spot was like kayak a buck out of that place. And so I killed a doe in that same exact spot. So the funny thing was I shot this buck in the exact same spot where I shot that doe. I mean, they were standing oh, okay. almost in the identical spots. Yeah. It's crazy. Really? Uh, yeah. And, um, and so it was almost like she gave me a dry run the year before, you know, um, to, to figure, to figure it out. Um, he was a little bit yeah. more of a bitch getting out of there. Um, cause he died in a worse spot. Yeah. Like she literally ran to like an area that I like, I, I let her there and I actually like went and got my boat and like paddled up to her. I like just threw her in.
0: Oh, um, nice. <laughs> yeah.
2: Him, not so much. Like he ran to like the you whole, you had to drag him the, out a little bit. Uh, yeah, it was like, he was just like, he just ran and died in like a mess of shit, you know, that like <laughs> I had to basically like crawl on my knees to get to, you know, it was like, yeah. Yeah, it was not fun getting him out. And that was part of like what I wanted to enjoy about that was like you know, a lot of you know, I've killed bucks in the past in October, but not many in the morning. Like they've most a lot of the deer that I have killed have been in the in the evenings, you know, or right or like midday if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. and if I think real hard like uh, there was other ones in the morning, but like not often do I get to kill one in the morning and, and I've wanted to for, I've wanted to recently because I wanted to be able to just spend the day and enjoy it. Like to where it's like, I'm not rushing to try to find him because it's getting dark and I'm not going to be able to see blood and like in that whole stress of it, like the stress was a little bit because I couldn't see the blood very well because of, you know, where I shot him at, you know, like geographically where I shot him at because the shot was great. Like his, his heart has an imprint of a, I don't work with these guys at all, but I was shooting a tooth of an arrow broadhead and it has an imprint of a tooth of an yep. arrow, you know, inch broadhead. Like it, like the insignia right. straight through his heart. Like it couldn't have been any better. It was through his yep. Yep. right shoulder yeah, down through his, yep. yeah, down, down through his heart, out his left armpit. And then it went through his left leg, you know? So it's like, you couldn't nice. have got a, a better shot and he was dead on his feet. Like, you know, that was an adrenaline mm-hmm. run that 40 yards that he ran. Um, yeah. And, uh, But the coolest part for me was that I got it, did do it that early in the morning, like 7.15, right? So I had the entire Mm -hmm. day, right? So it's like yeah, I took my time getting him out. I mean, I got to him quick and got him gutted because it was cool in the morning, but I knew it was going to start to warm up a little bit during the day. And uh, I took my time getting to him, getting him out. I just enjoyed it. I didn't rush. You know, got him to the boat, got him loaded, which that was a little bit of a rodeo, you know, because – I got to put the boat in the truck and then I got to load, Then I got to get the buck up into the truck and then into the boat, but I got a cap on my truck. So yeah. it's like, I got to squat down to do it the whole time. It was a little bit of a mess. <laughs> um, and it was a little bit of a rodeo, like kayaking him out because like the weight wasn't completely balanced. And so it was a little dicey coming out, you know?
3: Yeah. And bucks are a lot bigger than doe. It doesn't matter yeah. really what age class of bucket is. They're heavier than does. They're just different.
2: Yeah. yeah. So I got to do all that, and then I came home, and, you know, because I had the whole day, it's like I got them hung up and got them skinned out and, yeah. you know, cut up, and uh, I enjoyed a, a Genesee beer and a cigar while I did it. I was going
3: to say a little, little Genesee, a little Genesee.
2: A little Genesee and all of a cigar, yeah, and while, I, while I was taking care of them. And so it was just like one of those things that had some good tunes on, and it was just like, like man, this is, this is, like, this that day was why you, why you deer hunt. You know, that was, yeah. it. I mean, the only thing that would have made it better if it would have had like a buddy or two around or something like that, just to kind of hang out with. But, you know, it's the middle of, yeah. it's, it's a Monday. So like guys are working and stuff like that. So it wasn't like I was bummed out. But aside from that, like I couldn't ask for a better day, a better hunt, do it where I've wanted to do it for the past couple of years, get to use my kayak, you know, the ads always, the water always adds some adventure and you just feel, I don't know, man, like that kayaking stuff and like kayaking into hunt and kayaking one out, like. You just feel connected, yeah. you know? It's like, you just feel fulfilled. And like I mentioned that in the Instagram post I made, like my cup, my cup was full that day. Actually, it was, it was running over yeah. that day, you know? And then, and yeah. just fired me up for Kansas, man. Like, cause I was like, I got the monkey off my back in PA to where it's like, I don't have a tag in my pocket when I come home. So I'm not in Kansas thinking about like, you know, when the trip's winding down, but man, I still got a tag in my pocket for Pennsylvania too. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. now it's just like, a, you know, almost feel like a, like I'm on easy street and like, I feel like the hunt in Kansas is going to be killer cause I'm like I already got one in the book. Right. And so I'm going to be able yeah. to go out there and just like let it fly dude and be aggressive. Cause I'm not like, I want to at least fill one tag. You know what I mean? Like it's like, I already yeah. did that this year. So like now I can just go out and let it rip.
3: It's so true, man. Cause you, we were, my buddy Jared and I were talking yesterday and he's like, it's the first time I've killed a buck in five years. And man, it's like, it's like a weight is lifted. We, we both, Work, we work together and we both have mm-hmm. off. We took the same vacation days this year. We have, we have like 10 days off or whatever. And he's like, I shot this thing two days into our vacation, but it feels really good. Like, I feel no yeah. stress or pressure and I'm just going to go have fun shooting does now. Like, you know, y- yeah. And I think that's, that's one hard thing for out of state stuff is like, well, like, well, I kill one in my home state. Like, it's cool killing deer in your home state, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's hard here. It's really hard yeah. here. Yeah, it, it's, it's hard like, everywhere. The, Deer are just hard animals to kill, but it's yeah, different. they're
2: hard. They're hard to kill, and um, you know, in this area, especially locally, like there's just a ton of pressure around here. Like that's yeah. you know always a challenge in this particular area. Um, even on that piece, like even yeah. though I have like a slick access to it and stuff like that, I know there's guys hunting like around the area that I'm hunting. They just can't quite get into mm-hmm. the spot that I'm in because I've seen their, I've seen their stands and I've seen like their marker tape and stuff like that. So I know that they're they're in there at different times. Um, yeah. You know, but it's just, you know, I was stoked to get it done there. Um, that spot's going to be good always, you know? Um, you yeah. Know, it's like, so it's, it's just a really like gem little spot. And it's such a cool spot to hunt. Um, like the, the, the scenes, the scenes cool, like how deer kind of come in like, they're so comfortable in that spot. Like every deer I've seen in there, like I've never seen deer run through there ever. Like even, yeah. even when I right. come back and I've hunted like the week of Thanksgiving, you know, in this particular spot special regs units so i can do that um mm-hmm. like there's i'll come back and hunt like the week of thanksgiving and they're still like even if like the rut is on right like they're still not running like they're not getting chased through there necessarily like it's just a spot that they're so comfortable right. you know so right but yeah but speaking of being comfortable man i'm gonna think i gotta i gotta get to jujitsu and get uncomfortable
3: yeah i was gonna say so before we go top three tips for uh for water access or canoeing or kayaking what do you got top three
2: three tips um gets prioritize stability over speed and steerability Mm -hmm. of your kayak or canoe whatever you're going to get um you know slow is slow is smooth and smooth is fast i guess even in kayaking for for white tails and you want to keep all your shit in your boat it's always a positive you know um it
3: is a positive
2: yeah If you uh if you can cheat like I do, which is I have a trolling motor, so I don't paddle whenever I'm gonna hunt, like because I don't want to be paddling something out. Um just electric trolling motor, right? Not like paddle one. Yeah, it's like a 30, 30 pound thrust uh trolling motor. Nice. Not because I'm lazy, lazy. It's like I do plenty of stuff that suggests I'm not lazy, but it's the idea of and I really the benefit was proven like whenever I was getting that deer out. Not just like the weight and stuff like that, but um, Like it's, it's like, it's not a hundred percent like that deer is not equally distributed. Right. And certainly like it's a, it's a, it's a new canoe F10 is what I use. It's like, I don't have any dealings with them, but I'll tell everybody what I'm, what I'm using. Um, and so it's not huge. And I I specifically got one that was smaller so I could fit it in the back of my truck and I have to have a trailer for it and stuff like that to haul it around. Mm -hmm. But with Mm -hmm. that, you know, putting a deer in it does get a little, you know, like it, it can be, you know, a little bit of a trial and error to figure tippy. out how to get it in and, and get you in it right. and all your gearing at the same time. Um, you know, and so, you know, the trolling motor is key because I'm not paddling, shifting my body weight back and forth side to side. I just get in stabilize and know that like, okay, we're good. Like we're, we're not going to rock the boat here and then click it on and just like, you know, and steer, steer myself out. So yep. that would be the other one. Uh, that would be the second kayak one. And then I'll give four, So this one always safety first, like if the weather sucks and there's a ton of wind or it's dicey, Mm -hmm. like just don't do it, you know? And always wear, I wear a life vest every time I get in. Um, Yeah. And then make sure you have a quick strap, like release shit, like on your, I wear hip waders in because there's like, I got to pull the boat in and out some places. Um, That way, if you do happen to fall out, you can ditch your waders really quick. You know what I mean? So I'm always mindful of that and how much clothing I'm wearing and how much weight it's going to add if I I were to fall in. Um, Right. And then, the fourth one is, it's just freaking awesome, man. It adds like a little sense of adventure to like hunts that are like, that are normal. You know what I mean? Like, And yeah. so I always yeah. recommend people try it. You know, it's like, it can be dicey, you know in and out in the dark. And I've run into shit and almost flipped the boat before cause there was a huge stump that I didn't see. And like I hit it and like, you know, almost launched me. Um, but it just adds it's a, it's an easy way to add some adventure to like some mundane hunts you know what i mean there are things that yeah. you take for granted that are maybe local to you or whatever so
3: yeah especially for people that aren't in like super rural areas or something there's yeah. there's water a lot of places and i think it is um i think it's creative but it is definitely some kind of super adventure i think
0: yeah yeah
3: but. all right dude well we're going to let you uh little get you torn and tattered here but Mm -hmm. uh it's awesome catching up buddy miss you
2: miss you too man thanks for uh thanks for having me on bro i appreciate it
3: yeah i I appreciate you coming on anytime man all right folks that is a wrap for
2: today's show i'd like to thank all of you for listening and if you haven't yet please head over to itunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast and while you're at it head over to youtube and give us a sub there as well i'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me And before I shut this thing down, we need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and Genesee Beer. And until next time, we'll see y'all.
1: a life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life
3: yeah baby 68 western
0: we'll oh, be over there baby right there
1: tune in every tuesday at 7 p m eastern on waypoint tv